State for Bible class. Thankful that you're here and hopefully we'll discuss something beneficial. We're going to begin a study of 1 Timothy today. Before you turn to 1 Timothy, turn to Acts chapter 16. Before we can start the book of Timothy, we'll get just a little bit of introduction of who he is, where he came from, all those different things. Uh, this study of, of 1 and 2 Timothy will probably go on into the book of Titus as well. Uh, I believe it's going to be a really, really good study. It's going to help me anyways. Hopefully it will help you guys. In Acts chapter 14, I know I told you 16, but I'm backing up a little. Acts chapter 14, Paul went on his first missionary journey, and he went to a place called Lystra. And in this place, apparently, we can uh, decipher that he converted a young man named Timothy. In Acts chapter 16, we find out that he goes back there on another mission trip to visit, and here he's going to begin working with this young man named Timothy. And we're going to look at the first three verses Get a little background of who Timothy is uh, before we actually go into a study of the book. Chapter 16 in the book of Acts. It says, Then he came to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. We know that he'd already been converted because when he comes to Lystra, this certain disciple's there. Timothy's there. Like I said, odds are he was converted on the first missionary journey that Paul made to this place. It says, Timothy, he is the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. Who was his mother and his grandmother? What were their names? Lois and Eunice. Very, very good ladies, right? They taught him the Bible from the time he was a little man. Uh, very, very good Christian ladies. So he was the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, that was a Christian, but his father was Greek. Now, odds are, as this is being written, Timothy's father is already deceased. The Bible says his father was Greek. If you were something, he's not been converted. The Bible's talking about, more than likely, Timothy's father has passed on at this point. But his father, we have no indication that he was a Christian. He was not a Jew. He was a Greek. So, Verse 2, Timothy, he's well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Timothy's a good guy. Timothy's got a good reputation. He's a, he's a hard worker in the church. So we get to know a little bit about him that way. Verse 3, Paul wanted to have him go on with him. Paul wants to take him on his missionary journeys. Now, I want you to stop and think about that just for a moment. You, you take the Apostle Paul... And as far as, do we put people on pedestals? Don't say no, because you do. Every one of you do. And, and I do too. We shouldn't, but we do. But you take the Apostle Paul, he's up at the top of the pedestal, right? I mean, he's, he's the, a Christian of Christians, if you will. And I know there's no such thing. We're all one in Christ. But he's done so much. And if you're a Christian, you aspire to be like Paul. And in all truthfulness, Paul encouraged people. He says, you imitate me. And I am take Christ, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. So Paul is saying, listen, I'm doing what I need to be doing, and if you'll follow in my footsteps, you'll do well. You picture that, that you yourself have behaved yourself and you live your life in such a way that the Apostle Paul wants you to go on a mission trip with him. 
Now think about that just a second. That's high praise, isn't it? That is high praise. See, I don't think Paul would just take just anyone with him. Paul is very serious about his mission. He's very serious about what he does, and he doesn't want distractions. In fact, he only wants people that's going to help him to convert more Christians. And he chooses Timothy. Now to me, that's about as high praise as you can get on the face of this earth. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And that's pretty much the end of what we know about Timothy. He's mentioned time and again throughout the book of Acts, but it's only mentioned as he is there. He's in a certain place. Why would Paul want to circumcise Timothy? Does circumcision have anything to do with Christianity? No. Not in any shape, form, or fashion. Was it a requirement to be circumcised? No. But as Paul was traveling along, didn't he usually go to the synagogues when he got to a different place? So he goes into a, a new place, and he goes into the synagogue, and he's going to preach to Jews. Are you going to be more effective at talking to Jews if you have been circumcised? Yes. And that, that's just a matter of, of common sense, if you will. If you're going to go into a Jewish person and you're going to talk to them, you want to appeal to find common ground. If you were here at VBS yesterday, that was my lesson. First thing we need to do when we're going to uh, evangelize the world is find common ground. And we talked about we've got common ground with all kinds of religious people. We've got tons of common ground, and we can build upon that. Paul realized if he would have Timothy circumcised, and the people knew this, he's starting out on a firm foundation. They're going to come more likely to listen to what he has to say. So Paul has a lot of wisdom. Timothy has wisdom because he goes along. Timothy's already a, a man. He's not a little bitty boy. So this is going to be a painful thing. But he's willing to go along for the greater good because he wants people to come to know the Lord. All right, now go to 1 Timothy. We've got a little bit of background, who he is. We can find out through uh, scholars that more than likely this book was written after Paul was released from prison in Rome. So this book was written to Timothy after the book of Acts, after the end, after chapter 28, Paul's release, all of those things. It was written somewhere 62, 63 A.D., somewhere in that time frame this thing was written. Uh, Paul was going to be killed within the next few years after he began to write to Timothy and Titus. So we know a little bit about when it was written. What's the purpose of the book? The purpose of the book is in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, verse 14 and 15. We'll study this in detail later, but before we actually start, I want us to understand why he's writing. He says, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. Timothy, I'm hoping to get to come and see you. I, I really want to be there with you, but I need to write to you. Why? He says, but if I am delayed, I write. This is the purpose of the book so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. He says the whole purpose of this book is to show you how to act like a Christian, to show you how to behave yourself as a servant of God, to show you how the house of God is to be set in order. And brethren, if Paul thought it so important that Timothy needed to know these things, 
I assure you that it's just as important that you and I know these things. You say, yeah, but, but this letter's written to Timothy. This is, this is things he needed to know. What was Timothy going to do with the things Paul had written to him? He's going to share them with everybody else, right? Everybody else. In fact, in the second epistle, Paul told Timothy, these things that I have, have preached or, or have taught you, you can you convey them on. You teach them unto other faithful people who in turn are able to teach others also. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. He says, the purpose of the gospel is you teach this person, and then they teach that person, and then they continue to teach that person, and this thing's going through multiple generations. So these things that Paul has written to Timothy, these things are still just as true for us today. We need to know these things just as bad today as ever before. We're going to learn a lot of different things. We're going to learn what qualifications are for elders and, and deacons. We're going to learn uh, about just morality, how we as Christians are to behave ourselves, so many things. And, and, you know, sometimes these are things that we take for granted. Sometimes these are things that, that we just forget. Sometimes some of these things, society has twisted our minds into believing that it's different than what Paul actually told Timothy to teach. And as we go along, we'll find out some of those things. And again, I believe it's going to be a really good study uh, for all of us. So let's get into the book. We could talk about a lot more history, but I think the book will, will speak for itself. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. He says to Timothy, a true son in the faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Who wrote the book of Timothy? You know, some people, they argue that point even today. Paul says, I, I'm writing this thing. He says, Paul, an apostle, this, I'm writing this to Timothy. I have absolutely no question who wrote the book. Paul is the author. He introduces himself, I'm Paul the apostle. Did Timothy know that? Well, of course Timothy knew that. Why is he revealing that? Because he knows this book is going to be revealed unto people through the centuries, even to us today. Paul, he's an apostle. An apostle is a person who is a witness of the Lord. They had to actually see the Lord. And an apostle is someone that carries the authority and the power of Jesus. And Paul wants us to understand at the very outset of this letter, and anybody that might read it throughout the ages, that he is indeed that apostle that he has the authority from God to charge Timothy and to charge us to do the very things that are found in this book. He wants us to understand that. He also wants us to understand that he is an apostle by the commandment of the Lord. You realize God intended for Paul to be an apostle? You realize God had planned that long before Paul was ever even alive. You realize it was even prophesied all the way back in Isaiah, I believe, that, that God had decided that his people were going to be called Christian. And that name was going to be carried before kings and, and Gentiles and all these other things. We get to Acts chapter 9 and we find out Paul is indeed that person that's going to do that very thing. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch and, and Paul is the one there carrying that message. God had a plan for Paul. It was God's desire always that the Paul... Uh, be an apostle. And he relates that to King Agrippa. 
If you go to Acts chapter 26, verses 12 through 19, he tells them, God had a plan for me. God told me all of these things that he would have for me to do. And he tells Agrippa, he says, Oh, king, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I followed right along with what God had me to do. Paul would tell the Galatian brethren, uh, or the Roman brethren, he said, God has separated me. He separated me. God has, has made me what I am, separated me from the world, and destined me to be in this position that I'm in. He says to the Galatian brethren, it pleased God to separate him from his mother's womb. In essence, it pleased God to take him out of Judaism and, and for him to be a New Testament Christian and for him to be an apostle of the Lord, to convey his word, his message to anybody that would hear. Paul wants us to know this was God's plan. And everything he says, therefore, is from God. He is indeed an apostle a messenger of God. He says it's from the commandment of God, our Savior. Normally when we think about Savior, who do we think about? Jesus, right? He, he, he's our Savior. But Paul here says he wants his writers to understand that God is our Savior. Where did the plan initiate? With God, right? God was responsible. I wrote down three things. God was responsible for the initiation Jesus, I usually don't do the preacher thing where you do three letters that start the same thing, but I try it here. God is the initiator. Jesus is the one that implemented the plan, right? God had the plan. It's his eternal purpose. Jesus is the one that comes to earth, was made flesh. He implemented that plan for mankind. And the Holy Spirit is the one that integrated it. He's the one that put it all together after it was all gone. He's the one that reminded these apostles of everything Jesus had said. He's the one that revealed the Word of God so you and I can be Christians. Each member of the Godhead had a specific role. A specific role that they had to carry out. And Paul wants us to understand that God is our Savior too. Each member of the Godhead had a specific role. And without, you take any one of them out, what happens? We're in trouble. We're in trouble and we don't have hope. We can't be a Christian. So he says, God is our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ is our hope. Think about that. The reason you and I have hope is because Jesus resurrected from the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the whole chapter talks about it. In fact, Paul says in that chapter, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. We've got hope beyond the grave because he arose from the grave. Acts 4, verse 12, there's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. He is our hope. In Ephesians 2, verse 12, the Bible says if we don't have Christ, we're, we're aliens, we're strangers, and we have no hope. So indeed, Christ is our hope. You see, he fulfilled his part, his role in all of these things. Paul says, I'm writing this book to Timothy. Now, if you do much study in the religious world, you're going to find that people call the books 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus pastoral uh, epistles. In essence, they're saying the religious world says these are books that are written to pastors. Won't find the word. Won't find the word. Paul tells Timothy, you're a minister. He tells Timothy, you're a preacher. He doesn't give him a title. He simply says, I'm writing this book to Timothy. Does God give us titles in the church? 
If he did, that makes big eyes and little U's, right? He doesn't do that. God, in fact, says you don't call any man what? Reverend? You don't call men by all of these specific names and put them in the... You don't do that. In fact, within the church, you and I are just brethren. And when we're just brethren, we're on equal footing. You see, in fact, in the parable that's talked about, the man that come in at the, you know, the third hour of the day, and the sixth hour of the day, ninth hour of the day, and eleventh hour of the day, they got paid the same thing. In essence, what does it mean? They're all just Christians. doesn't matter if you've been one 50 years, if you've been one five minutes, you're a Christian. You see, in Christ, there's neither male nor female, bond nor free, you know, none of that. doesn't matter. You're either, you're just a Christian. That's it. So Timothy, he's just a Christian. And part of what he did as a Christian was he preached. But Paul says, I'm just writing this book to Timothy. I'm not writing a pastoral epistle. I'm not writing something to tell somebody how to pastor a church. That's not what it's about. If it was, don't you think he'd have told us that? That is a religious falsehood that is spread that people buy into. And we should not buy into that. He said, I'm writing to Timothy, a true son in the faith. He considered him a son in the faith, number one, because more than likely, Paul converted him. Converted him. Number two, he understood there was something special in Timothy. And go back to last week's lesson. Paul wanted to mentor him. He wanted to, to raise him up to the place that he needed to be but not only that, he said he is a true son in the faith. This word true comes from the idea of, a, of legitimate wedlock. Legitimate wedlock. So in other words, Timothy became a Christian in the legitimate way. You see a lot of people today, they think they become a Christian and they claim to be all of these other things, but sometimes it's not legitimate. And the only way we can be a true child of God is exactly the way the Scriptures tells us. We can't pick and choose. We can't decide what we want to do, and, and Paul is telling us that. Timothy's a true son in the faith. He, he is a Christian in the right way. He tells Timothy a, a greeting, grace, mercy, and peace. Again, we could go through and we could talk, but we understand that. It's just a way of being kind and, and compassionate. Paul says, Timothy, I hope you have grace, mercy, and peace. And you get that from God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. All right, let's get into verse 3, into the meat of the book. Paul has a charge for Timothy. There's some things that he's going to have to do that's going to be very, very difficult. And we're going to see what those are. He says, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, he says, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine." This is something Paul had told Timothy before. He says, I, I've already urged you of this before, but he says, I want to remind you, I, I'm going to charge you to do this. If somebody charges you to do something, is that a suggestion? Is that a, you know, if it's all right with you, if you've got time, that, that's, not, that's not what it means, is it? It means, in essence, Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, I'm commanding you to do this. This is your job. This is your job as a Christian, as someone that is willing and able to stand before people. He says, you have got to exert courage. Timothy, you have got to be a, a fearless Christian. Now, 
Was Timothy and was Timothy a older man? No. Timothy's a young man, right? And as a young man, that would be more difficult, right? Those of you, you guys that are older, is it a little easier now to be more bold and fearless than it was maybe when you were in your 20s? Yeah. It's a lot easier as you get older and you, and you learn more and you grow and you mature. But Timothy's not going to be given that option. In fact, Paul's going to remind him in the second epistle, he says, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Maybe Timothy was, was a little bit timid. Maybe he was you know, a little bit afraid. And would you be? Would you be if somebody come down, an apostle Paul come to you and says, listen, I'm charging you. You've got to go stand up for the gospel. These people that are teaching things that are not right, you've got to stand up to them. You've got to tell them what's right and what's wrong. That's tough, isn't it? How many of us today, if we were given that very command to go to this place and do that very thing, how many of us are just eager and willing to go? We're probably going to be a little bit like Moses, aren't we? Oh, Lord, I, you, you don't understand. I can't do that. You've got to get somebody else. Jeremiah, oh, Lord, I can't. I, nobody's going to listen to me. You've got to get somebody else. Timothy didn't have a choice. Paul said, Timothy, this is what you're going to do. He says, I'm going to charge you that you be bold. And you teach them that they teach no other doctrine. And I want you to notice, he says you remain in Ephesus. Well, we're not going to focus a whole lot on the places, just enough to maybe get our minds around it. Paul had spent a significant amount of time in Ephesus. And I believe it's three years that he'd spent there. And he says, day and night I warned you about things that, that were going to happen. He says in Acts chapter 20, verse 27, Paul speaking, he said, I've not shunned to declare in you the whole counsel of God. I've told you everything that you need to know. Therefore, verse 28, take heed to yourselves. He's speaking to those Ephesian elders. Take heed to yourselves and the church over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. He says, you, you elders, you've got to realize. You, you've got to take heed. You've got to watch yourselves. You've got to guard yourselves. Why? Because he says, verse 29, after my departing, there's going to be some wolves come in. There's going to be some wolves. And they're not going to spare the flock. They're going to teach things that are not right. You've got to understand, I'm paraphrasing. They're going to twist things. They're going to teach other doctrines. They're going to pull people away. And he's telling these elders, you guys have got to stay, you got to stay on top of this. You've got to take heed to yourselves first. Make sure you're not deceived. Because if you're deceived, then... Other people are going to be deceived too. So apparently this has happened. Apparently this has happened. Paul warned them. He says, I warned you and I warned you, I warned you. Well, apparently it's happened. And it's to the point that Paul tells Timothy, you've got to stay there. You've got to stay there and you've got to get on to these people. You've got to teach them that they can't teach other doctrine. What do you mean by other doctrine? Well, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from the gospel to another gospel. He says, I am amazed that I came to you, I preached the gospel, I laid it out masterfully, you accepted it, you obeyed it, you became a Christian, you are living as a Christian. He says, but I marvel that you're so soon removed from it to another gospel. He says, but it's not another gospel. He said, it's a perversion. Is that still happening today? Are people so soon removed to another gospel? Yeah. 
Because you see, the world's pulling at them. Satan is good at what he does. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world, he still blinds the hearts and minds of people. Just like he was doing all the way back in the mid-60s A.D. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to get people. So Paul said in Galatians 1, he says, I marvel you're so soon removed. And then he goes on to warn them. He says, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than that which you have heard, he says, let him be accursed. He said, I don't care who it is. I don't care how high regard you hold this person. I don't care if you feel like they've got 72 degrees in Bible. If it's something different than what you've been taught, if it's something different than what the Bible says, he says, you don't listen to it. And apparently that's exactly what had happened, though. Something else had been taught, and then the people just, they bought in. You know, it sounded good. It felt good. They liked it. And, and even people today, they say, well, how do you know that we can actually know what the, the real gospel is? How do you know that, that we can know what the proper doctrine is? Jesus said in John 8, verse 32, you can know the truth. And the truth can make you free. If we can't know what is right and wrong, then Jesus Christ lied. What he said, right? You know the truth, and it'll make you free. Paul's telling Timothy, these people, they can know. They've chosen to, to turn elsewhere. They've chosen to listen to other people. Timothy, you've got to do something about it. Church today, we've got to do something about it. We talked about this just this past Sunday night. We've got to be a person that's willing to stand up and speak out. If somebody's teaching something that's not right, we've got to be bold enough to call them out on it. In essence, that's exactly what Paul's telling Timothy. When you hear these things, when you find out these things, stand up. Stand up and, and, and teach what is right. That doesn't mean you bash the people and you belittle them and all those things. In essence, it means I love them. When you are... Bringing somebody back to where they need to be, it's not because you think you're better than them, you think you're smarter than them. In essence, it should be because you love them and you want them to go to heaven. If another gospel is going to get you in trouble, does anybody want that for people they love? Do you want somebody you love to be lost? No. So in essence, when we try to bring them back to where they need to be, it's because we want them to be right with God. That is the Showing the ultimate love for someone. We'll try to get one more verse. All right. He says, verse 4, he says, Nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. He says, Some people have bought into other doctrines. You know, they're twisting scriptures, they're doing all these things. He says, But some people have just bought into fables. What's a fable? Fairy tale? People still spread fairy tales today, making up things that's not even found in the Bible anywhere, but they, they dreamed it up, and it sounded good to them, so they, they teach it. Do people buy into it? What about Charles Darwin? What did he teach? What was that word? Evolution? Is that a fairy tale? That is a fairy tale. Have people bought into that garbage it's being taught in our schools every day, schools in session. It's being taught every time our children turn on any kind of cartoon. It has anything to do with a dinosaur or a caveman or anything. 
It's taught everywhere that we go. It's a fairy tale. Some people bought into it. Paul told Timothy, he says, you've got to put an end to these fairy tales. You've got to make sure people are grounded upon the truth. He says, not only that, what about endless genealogies? To a Jew, genealogy was important, right? Their lineage was, to them, that was, that was just it. They wanted to know what tribe they were from, and, and they got to trace that back to Abraham, all of those things. Let me ask you something. What happened to all those records when the Romans came into Jerusalem? Anybody know? Gone. They destroyed it all. They burned it to the ground. So once all of that is gone, what happens? Well, I can't trace where I came from. So at this time, there's endless genealogies. They don't know where they came from, but they're, they're, they're going through and they're trying to, to talk about things and teach things that you can't get an answer to. Do we still do that today? How many times do you think there have been classes on what Paul's thorn in the flesh is? Does anybody know? doesn't make a hill of beans difference, does it? See, sometimes what we do is we take these little things that really don't matter. And sometimes we, we strain an eye and swallow a camel. You know what Jesus says? Sometimes we take things that we can't ever know, but we want to spend an immense amount of time trying to figure out when ultimately it doesn't matter anyways doesn't matter. Did it matter whose genealogy these people were from? No. Didn't make them any more or less of a Christian. Didn't matter. So they could spend all kind of time trying to trace back to Abraham when ultimately Paul tells Timothy, you got to teach people that doesn't matter. That's not going to help you in your life. He says those types of things, all they do is they cause disputes. A dispute is an argument. Church members, what causes more problems within the church? Is it just doctrinal, I mean, down to the basic nitty-gritty issues, or is it opinions? If I ask the elders, which one is it? Opinions. Opinions is what causes problems. And in essence, Paul's telling Timothy, you've got to stop that. You've got to stop all these opinions. You've got to stop all these arguments about things that doesn't matter. And, and you and I today, church, we've got to realize that. There are things that are of utmost importance that we need to focus on. And those things are not, you're going to hear me say, don't know and it doesn't matter. I spoke at a VBS last week and a guy come up to me after church and he said, you know my favorite thing about you? And I'm thinking, I don't know. He says, you're not afraid to say you don't know and it doesn't matter. I'm still going to say that. We'll finish this next week. I appreciate your attention.